Living by faith, this is what we are uh, embracing, we are trying to move into it more. Uh, I myself, you know what, as I've been uh, in the Word and studying, and hopefully all of us are doing that constantly, but I begin to see that, uh, you know what, as we read that chapter in Hebrews, man, I got a lot to to go. I, I want to be like those that God calls heroes of the faith. Um, uh, but the great thing is, like we talked about last week, I don't have to do it on my own. Um, that as long as I just turn to Jesus and begin to consider him, he is the author and the finisher of my faith. Uh, but it is that faith that we need to see him. And so we cannot live this Christian life without living it in faith. And we've been looking at it and getting a better look at faith because so many times we use that word faith, but yet we do not really enter into what the meaning of faith is. It's not just this head knowledge or this uh, acknowledgement uh, of belief in Jesus. And so we've been looking at, first of all, uh, what it looks like to have faith. And then we looked at what the focus of that faith needs to be. Because we don't need just faith. We need to have the, the faith in the right things. And we need to have our focus right. And then last week we looked at the source of faith. Uh, Where does that faith come from? It doesn't come from just, I'm just going to believe more, I'm just going to trust more. Sometimes, see, that's what we get that message that if you would just believe more, then this would happen. And it has nothing to do with something that you drum up within you. It has nothing to do with how much you can make yourself believe in something. It has totally to do with just looking to Jesus. Humbling ourselves and saying, God, I can't do it, but Jesus, you can. When you begin to just look to Jesus, he is the one that gives us our faith. Now, why are we looking at faith so much and, and beginning to change our life? Let's go to the challenge that has really started this series, and that is in Hebrews chapter 10, because this is where he tells us how important faith is. Hebrews chapter 10 Starting in verse 36, it says, For you have need of endurance. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. What does that imply? That implies that there's some that follows the rituals and the commandments of God, but they will not receive. So we need something that When we have done this, when we have walked the road, that we will receive what was promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come, that is Jesus, and he will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, that means falls away or falls short of that faith, my soul will have no pleasure in him. But we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but we are those who have faith and so preserve their souls. So it is that faith that we need to have that after following Jesus, we will receive what he has promised. Because it's going to be the saddest thing that there will be those that say, I lived for you, Jesus. I went to church. I called myself a Christian. You know, I, I, I did good things. And Jesus says, depart from me I don't know you in other words what he's saying is but you never had faith 
You never put your faith in me. You see, it's not about uh, going through the motions and being a good person. It's about having faith. It says that we are people who have faith and thus preserve our souls. So faith is that key thing in our life that uh, connects us to the promises of God. And so we've looked at, in chapter 11, it goes on to describe those that have lived by faith. And they're not some list of special people. Some of them are worse people than us. I mean, I'll tell you, the one person who's mentioned in there is Samson. And even though Samson won great battles for the Lord, how many know he was, he was an adulterer? Uh, he, was, he was a weak man. He may have been physically strong, but how many know that he gave in uh, to the, the desires of his flesh? And yet he is called a man of faith. Because we know that in the end, it was his faith that overcame. And so all this list of people are not great super people. They're just like you and me. So that way, if he has hope to be listed in there, that means I have hope. If Samson, after all the, the dumb things he did, can get in there, thank God I can get in there. Because we've all done dumb things like that. Amen? We've all been there. And so we've looked at that description of those that have gone before, that have walked this walk of faith. And so that brings us to chapter 12. Now we started chapter 12 last week and we looked at uh, especially verse 2 and 3. Um, which was the source that Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. But let's, we're going to read through these same three verses again, and we're going to pick up another theme in there that we need to cover because it's something that we were all going to face. So let's pick up in chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, in other words, there are so many of our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ that have gone before us, since they have already run the race, now let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and some version says which entangle us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. In other words, now that walk of faith, that life of faith, the race that is set before us, now it's up to us to pick up the mantle and to begin to run our race, and, and to begin to um, uh, make it to the end. And of course, it says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and now is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So we looked at last week the source of faith in Jesus. But it also implies, and here in this last verse, it says that not only is he our source, but we need to look to him because there's a chance that we may grow weary and faint-hearted. So it's saying that there are going to be obstacles in this walk of faith. Living by faith is not just going to be simple. So we've been looking at, at all these different things about faith, and we can't say, okay, good, 
Okay, I've taken all my notes. Now I'm just going to do these things. And a lot of times we, we want to narrow life down just to a good checklist. And as long as I check the points, okay, I can just do those three things. And those are good. They give us an, a, a, a focus and a goal. But how many know that life is going to throw things at us that we didn't plan on? And there are things in, in life that are going to try and take our faith away. You need to understand that we have an enemy that does not want us to receive the promises of God. Now, it's not because he has any care for you or me, uh, or me but he just doesn't want anything to give glory to God. Because that is his whole thing is even though he is destined for damnation himself, he's going to take whatever he can with him uh, away from God. And so we're going to face those weapons of the enemy like we just sang about. And, and so this scripture says that we need to address those obstacles. So there's going to be obstacles, there's going to be enemies, there's going to be circumstances that want to take us away from this race of faith. And in fact, in verse 1, it says, therefore, we need to, we need to lay aside the weight and the sin which entangles us, which clings to us. So these obstacles um, uh, are things that we need to begin to set aside. We need to get them out of our way. We're going to have to face them, um, but we've got to begin to do our part in dealing with them. So there's three things that it talks about um, that we need to deal with. First of all, we need to deal with weights, we need to deal with sin, and we need to deal with endurance. Because these are the, the, the three main obstacles to our faith. If we're going to live a life of faith, you've got to begin to deal with weights in your life. Uh, and if you're going to live a life of faith, you need to deal with sin in your life. And if you're going to live a life of faith, you need to deal with endurance. Especially in the fact of building up endurance. We need to begin to have endurance. It's the lack of endurance that many people um, uh, struggle with. So let's get into these. First of all, we look at weights and sin. And specifically, um, we're going to look at sin to start with. They are different. Weights and sin are different. That's why he says that there are some things that weigh us down that are not sin. They're not sin, but they are still things that are weighing us down that we need to deal with. And we're going to get to those. But the first thing is sin. And when we uh, think of sin in our life, that's pretty obvious. We know that sin is, is rebelling against God. It is things that go against the principles of God that God has declared to us in the word of God. Remember we talked about really part of faith is acting on the principles of God. If I have faith in God, I am going to choose to follow his commandments. I'm going to choose to live by his principles. And if I am not living by his principles, then I am living in sin. I am not living in faith. I cannot say that I love God, but I choose to sin. Um, now, when we look at sin, a, a great area in the Bible is in 1 John. Because all of sin, and really the weights also, um, uh, 
can be narrowed down to three different focuses in our life. So let's read 1 John, 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 1. He says, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin, okay? We'll get it there. Here we go. My little children, I write to you so that you may not sin. So here's the whole purpose of this part of Scripture is so that you will not sin, okay? And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So if, and then we skip down to verse 15, and he says, do not love the world. So sin all comes from this love of the world as opposed to the love of, of God. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So it all comes down. If we're going to have faith, we cannot have love for the world. It doesn't mean we don't enjoy it, and we're going to talk about that. Um, but that is not our focus. For everything that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but that is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God will abide forever. So we have this picture of sin that tears faith away from us. So let's look at the three things that he spoke about. First of all, sin is that pulls away our faith is going to be lust of the flesh. That means anything that comes from our physical appetite, right? Um, these things that, that, that give us physical pleasure. In, in other words, in, in, instead of seeking God, we, we just love the, the, the pleasure of the flesh. And of course, the main one we, we know that it, it, it uh, shows up in, in the principles of God is that God has given us great gift of intimacy and and that is not a bad thing but yet intimacy physical intimacy with one another outside of God remember this is where when we bring things into the area of faith we receive great blessings God is not a God who doesn't want us to have pleasure but he's a God that gives us a framework in which that pleasure will not destroy us how many know fire is great but you need to know how to deal with fire so that the fire doesn't kill you and it's the same thing with our physical pleasure. Physical pleasure is great, but God gives us boundaries of how to do that. And yet sin many times comes from the lust of the flesh because we just want what feels good when we want it. And, and so whether it is physical intimacy, sexual uh, uh, activity outside of marriage um, is a place that pulls us away and it weighs us down and it will trip us up. Um, not only intimacy, but also other pleasures. This is where people get, get pulled into drug addiction, alcoholism. The Bible talks over and over about be aware that, that these, these uh, uh, substances will corrupt you. Uh, it talks about wine in the Bible, um, and, and I'm sure they had drugs too, but God just mostly bulks them under the category of, of alcohol. 
Um, these things become very pleasurable, but the pleasure, the physical pleasure, will bring you to a place of destruction. And so the lust of the flesh, and let's put it honest, here's another sin that we don't talk about a whole lot. In fact, we hardly ever do. What about gluttony? Food. How many know food is pleasurable? Who likes food in here? Oh my gosh, the rest of you guys are all just, I'm not going to say you're fibbers. Food is very pleasurable. It tastes good. We love it. But we need to be careful. Again, within that boundary of health and wholeness, and yet we can let it become a sin that grabs hold of us. And so all of these pleasures of the flesh, these, these physical desires that we are born with, we need to understand that we need to begin to lay that aside, okay? Not only is there the lust of the flesh, but there is the lust of the eyes. There are sins that come from the desire to obtain things, okay, um, and these three things also are very much in the very first sin in the Garden of Eden when Eve saw the apple and Satan tempted her. She kept listening to him and she finally said she saw that the apple, was, not the apple, the fruit, we don't know what kind of fruit, but the fruit was good for eating, okay? It was good for the flesh. But then she said she also saw that it was pleasing to the eye, it was something that she looked at, and I want that. That just looks good. There's also these things in our life that we have desires that we, we see things and we just want them. We, we like to have things, right? Uh, there, there's sometimes we see things and it, it just makes us feel good. Um, many times, these are the sins of, of covetousness. I just got to have that. And we live in a day and age of, you know what we live in? I just have to have the newest and the best, right? The new edition comes out. I got to have that new one. Even though I, have, I already have 45 of them, but I need the new one, right? Um, uh, we have everything, and yet we want new because our eyes, this is, this is the greed. Remember, we see other people, and I don't even need it, but I don't want you to have it, and so I want what they have. And so greed is a lust of the eyes. Um, there is these things that, that it drives us. Um, it drives us to do things that we would never do, all because of this, this desire of the eyes. I want to be like them. I, you know what? We, we want to uh, not be left behind. And, and so our eyes see things that we want, and we are motivated to do things that maybe we shouldn't do, to, to cheat or to lie, to steal just to have what we want. And, and remember, those things come in different forms. Like Jesus said, it's not always just committing murder. It's, sometimes it's just what's going on inside of you that, that is separating you from God. And not only that, but then it brings us to the pride of life. Now, the pride of life is, is that, that sense of emotion that drives us. It's not maybe something that gives us physical pleasure, and it's not something maybe that we see that we need to uh, possess but there's that pride of life is, is my identity. That, that, there's, that, that drives us, that that becomes an idol to me because I want to be accepted. I want to be a part of something. I want to be, see, it's all about my pride. It's about who I am. This is, 
This is also why we deal with depression and discouragement because we are focused on me, on me. It's the focus is on me. And it says that when, when Eve saw the fruit, not only was it good for, for eating, not only was it pleasing to the eye, but it said it was good to make me wise. You see, she wanted it for herself, that I can be better than God. I don't have to have God to tell me who I am. I can determine that myself. That's the pride of life. Many times the pride of life that holds us back is because we want to be a part of that group. And so friends or family becomes idols to us because it feeds who I am. Um, It brings us to a place of control, that I want to control my life. And this becomes an obstacle to faith. So we see that these three areas are really the focus of not only the sin, but I'm going to say even the weights. Because maybe in those three areas, like I mentioned, there are areas that have not crossed over into sin. But I would say that there are lusts of the flesh that is a weight in our life that may not be a sin. You know, maybe we're not gluttons, but you know what? That becomes more important than other things. And, and, you know, my pride of life, I'm not doing anything else like, like you know, uh, hurting anyone or, or, or throwing, but maybe I live in unforgiveness. Um, maybe there are areas where there's just a little bit of, uh, you know, bitterness. And, and so these weights, and, and maybe there's things like I just want to, to do good at, at my work. I, wanna, I want to get that raise. I want to have success and achieve things. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. That's not even sin, but yet maybe that's falling in the pride of life area that, that is holding me back. Maybe my love for my friends and the activities that I do with them and my family, you know what, that becomes something that is a weight. And God is saying, this is something that's weighing you down. Now the sin will entangle you and it will destroy you. But the weight, this is why weights are even worse. Of course, you know that I I run and um, there's times where I'll be doing a long run um, uh, I've ran marathons, and so I'll go out for a 20-mile run. And for 20 miles, or for, th- say, three miles, which is a short run for me, um, three miles, uh, you, can, you can wear a, a water belt, you can take a water bottle, um, and, and it's not any big deal. But, man, when you're running, running 20 miles, even a small water bottle starts to weigh you down it's like i don't even want to carry that anymore and it begins to deteriorate you weights can be good but they will affect how you are able to run the race Um, and and so it's the same way in our spiritual life you know what if you're just going to serve god for the next two weeks yeah it's okay to to do all these things with your friends and but i'm going to tell you it's the life long pattern that you are developing that is weighing you down and it is going to destroy your run for the Lord now we looked at what faith looks like so I'm just going to bring you back to this because how do we know how do we know when it's when a weight is bad 
Okay? How do we know what weight I need to lay aside? How do I know when, when a certain activity in my life, which is a good activity, and God has given us good things, when we need to sacrifice that? Because think about this. God gave Abraham Isaac, and it was the answer to his promise, and yet Abraham came to a point where God had to say, you know what, Abraham, you need to sacrifice Isaac. And Abraham had to take Isaac and put him on the altar. It was a good thing. But I, I believe there was a reason. Not only was God testing him, but I believe there came a point to where Isaac had become an idol for Abraham. And so how do we know when those good things in our life, friends, families, uh, uh, activities, when we need to step back and say, wait a second, I need to put this on the altar of God. And I need to sacrifice that because it's becoming a weight and I need to cut it free. So to be able to tell when it is, I want to look at what faith is. Remember, we talked about faith is this combination. It is believing, it is trusting, it is acting, it is treasuring, and it is sacrificing. And it's all of these things is what makes up our faith. If we are not living in all of these areas, then you are not living in a living faith. You have the image of a faith, but no power in it. And God said there's many people who have the image of godliness, but there is no living faith in them. So it takes all of these things. Now, many of us, we live in the, in the top one. We believe, but that's it. Well, you don't have faith because you're not trusting. And many of us believe and trust, but we don't act. And many of us even act and do good and live a good life, but we're not treasuring God. And many of us even treasure God, but we never will sacrifice for him. So this is the completion of faith. So what we see is weights, when you carry weight in your life, it will erode each one of those areas of faith. Because weights, just like when you're running and training, what, when you're carrying a weight, you know what eventually it does? It erodes your balance. Because all of a sudden you have to make shifts to your balance to carry that weight and then once you make that shift your balance it will start to erode your 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 style or your your technique because all of a sudden now I can't take the right steps that I'm supposed to and then when you start doing that then you start to overcompensate and then you get injured and then when you injure it causes on and on and on so it slowly erodes your faith so when you carry weights here's how I would Determine whether something in your life is something you need to cut out. It starts at the bottom because, remember, the weight will always start eroding from the bottom. It'll always start in your sacrifices. So here's the question. Whenever there is something that you begin to sacrifice for it rather than the sacrifice for God, a red light needs to come on in your mind. Big red light. Now, here's the thing that the enemy loves. Don't worry, it's just a one-time thing. You're still living for God. It's not going to make a difference in the long run. Oh, what a lie it is. Because I'm going to tell you, when it becomes a pattern, it will make a difference in your long run. Oh, Jesus loves you anyway, but you are choosing to sacrifice for the weight rather than to sacrifice for the pleasure of God. Remember we said the sacrifices is I will sacrifice for the pleasure of God. The pleasure of God, for God to be pleased with me means more to me than me to be pleased in the world. 
This is what he was talking about. That we love the world more than the things of God. I want to ask you, what do you sacrifice for? Will you, make a sac- will you sacrifice God to do those things? Then that weight has become something that is deterring your faith. And eventually, you'll make a few sacrifices. Well, I'm not sacrificing God, but you will make some sacrifices to do it more than you will for God. How much do you sacrifice for God? Or is the sacrifice, whenever you make a sacrifice, which side usually wins out? God or the pleasure, the weight, whether it's lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, or pride of life? Are you sacrificing for those things in your life? Or do you make more sacrifices for the pleasure of God? God, I'm going to miss out on that. I know I'm going to miss out, and I hate to, but God, I want you to be pleased with me. And you being pleased with me means more to me than that. Ooh, I don't know if we're really doing that, guys. And if that's the case, then that weight is something that we need to put aside so that we can run the race. Because eventually, what's going to happen, you're going to make a few sacrifices for that weight, and then what's going to happen, without you knowing, you're going to begin to treasure that weight. Now that weight becomes more treasured to you than time spent with God. Let's be honest. What would you rather be doing? Be at the beach, or would you rather be here in the house of God? Mm. And you know why it happens more so? Because you've made that sacrifice plenty of times. It's easier and easier to treasure those other activities than the house of God. I will promise you, the more you put aside that weight and you sacrifice for God and begin to live for God and put aside even to other people, say, why are you doing it? You don't, come on, it's not going to hurt to miss one. The more you will sacrifice for God, I'm going to tell you, you will begin to treasure God much more. You will begin to find a love for God growing deeper and deeper within you. And I'm going to tell you, God will give you more opportunities to do those other things than what you would have done by doing it yourself. So eventually, the, the weight will erode the treasure that you have for God. And some of us are right on the edge there. Let's be honest. We're getting cold. We don't treasure God quite as much as we did before. And it's because there's weights in your life. Then the third thing, finally, at some point, that weight is going to cause you to act against the principles of God. As you begin to sacrifice for the weight, and the weight erodes your sacrifice for God, and the weight erodes your treasuring for God, it will start to erode the boundaries of where you act for God. All of a sudden, those little gray areas, well, God will forgive me. I mean, this is not a big sin. Right? Because weights will erode the principles that God has put in your heart. And all of a sudden, it's easier to do a little cheat. I'll just cheat a little bit in this class at school. Or I'll just do a little bit at work in this area. Because you've been carrying weights that have eroded your principles. And I'm going to tell you, as it gets deeper and deeper, you will actually even begin to mistrust God. Well, God, I don't even trust that you have my good for me. Because now you'll start to hear a sermon like this, and instead of hearing the grace of God calling you back to running a strong race, now you start to hear, well, why, why do you not want me to enjoy the world? Why, why wouldn't you want me to, see, all of a sudden you mistrust God. That was the message that, Je- that Satan spoke into Eve. He said, Eve, God doesn't really love you. He just doesn't want you to be like him. 
And those weights will begin to erode your trust in God. And of course, the final thing is there are those that we know that have even been Christians in the past that now, if you talk to them, they'll say, I don't even believe in God anymore. You know why? Because they carried the weight long enough that that weight injured them. And then that injury crippled them. And then the cripple brought anger to where now they don't even believe. So I'm going to tell you right now, instead of letting the weight erode the very bottom of your sacrifices, we need to cut that weight out. As hard as it is, we need to determine. Doesn't mean maybe you can never go back and enjoy that weight, but maybe right now you need to recognize that that weight is having, I, I need for now, I need, to, I need to get back aligned with God. And I'm going to cut that weight. On the other side, Instead, we need to run with endurance. And here's where endurance comes in. Where weight begins to deteriorate, endurance begins to fortify. So to fortify endurance, to run with endurance, we need to begin to fortify our sacrifices. In other words, I'm going to sacrifice more for God. I know that, you know what, my run, my walk of faith Maybe it's a little weak, and I know I'm not, so therefore I need to sacrifice more. You've got to start at the bottom again. And sometimes it's hard, but that is, like we were talking about working out, uh, and, and when you're building your body up, when you're first starting out, you've got to do even more, because you've got to begin to build the base up, and your base is the most important part, and it's what we are willing to sacrifice God. When God becomes so important, I will sacrifice for the pleasure of God. When we begin to fortify that, we begin to have more endurance, right? When you, when you first start to work out, I'm just tired. It hurts. I'm sore. But it's amazing. The more you work out, now I actually enjoy working out because it doesn't hurt so much. Now I feel stronger. I have more endurance. I can actually do more because now it's making me stronger without the soreness. And it's the same in our faith. We need to endure. Now, it is endurance. There are sacrifices. But when you learn to run the race of endurance, you see then we have a prize laid out before us. There is there's a medal for those at the end of the race. There's more of a sense of accomplishment, of identity, of fulfillment, of inheritance than this world will ever offer you. And so we need to begin to fortify our sacrifices. We need to begin to fortify our treasuring of the presence of God. I need to build up practicing the presence of God. That means spending time in the presence of God. That means longing for the house of God to come together because the more I come together, I'm going to fortify the presence of God in my life and that treasuring will begin to grow. And I already mentioned that earlier. But how many of us fortify Ourself, building up the body. Throughout the Bible, does it not say build up the body? Build up the body. Build up the body. Use your gifts to build up the body. And yet, how much time do you spend building up the body of Christ? No, we just live our own Christian life. And that's why the church has become, ah, it's a secondary thing. It's not even a necessary. And we've lost it. Let's begin to fortify that. When we begin to run with endurance, we begin to build up the presence of God. That means getting into the word of God, meaning spending time in prayer, coming together. It will fortify the treasure that we have in God. 
And then we fortify the principles of God. We begin to act. I will set boundaries that I'm not going to do these things. I'm not going to give in to the lust of the flesh. I'm not going to give in to the lust of the eyes. I will not do those things. I'm going to fortify my principles, my character. And when you begin to fortify and say, and just draw a line, I'm not going to do that. You begin to find yourself stronger. You begin to run with endurance. All of a sudden, the weapons of the enemy doesn't have that impact on you. And I want to just bring it to this last thing. Endurance, just like our faith, endurance comes from Jesus. Remember that verse we read? Look to Jesus, who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary. Maybe you have a hard time sacrificing. God, that's just hard to sacrifice because I've gotten into routine that these things are part of our life now. God says, well, then you look to me. I'll give you endurance so that you don't get weary or faint-hearted. You remember what Jesus went through. He sacrificed his life. He got killed. He got tortured. He got tormented. He got betrayed. He got left behind. And why did he do that? He did that so that you would not grow weary. You need to understand that everything Jesus did is so that you can have endurance. So endurance to do those things come from an acknowledgement of what Jesus did for you. So today, I want to let you know, you can run with endurance. You can lay aside every weight and the sin that wants to destroy you. And it's not about being a good person. It's not about, you know, but I'm just not as strong as others. That's okay, because you don't have to be. Jesus suffered so that you can be strong. You need to know, Jesus did it for you. He suffered and died so that you won't grow weary. Just keep your eyes on him. Just cry out to him. When it's hard, and maybe even when you've stumbled and you've fallen back into that, cry out to him and he will lift you up again. Our endurance comes from Jesus. We just need to come back to Jesus. I'm not talking about trying harder. I'm not talking about everything on our works. I'm just saying lean on Jesus and begin to fortify your endurance. Because when you take care of these obstacles, 